California is among the highest utility rates. It's almost 30% higher than the national average. What most people don't understand is that there are many other aspects of a utility company's work that are wrapped up in that rate. For example, if um, I receive a rebate from my utility company for installing an electric vehicle charging station in my home, the money for that rebate comes from all the other ratepayers. So there is a hidden tax essentially on the people that don't use these. Why are we creating programs that are inequitable where everybody has to pay into it, but only some people can benefit from it? It's very easy, I think, especially for politicians to say, well, we're not increasing taxes, but instead we are going to subsidize all of these programs by tacking these costs on to what ratepayers pay. My guest today is Gabriela Sandoval. Research Director for TERN, the Utility Reform Network. The cost of greening the grid should never cut people off from the grid, but at the rate we're going, your average household in California isn't going to be able to continue to afford their utility bill 20 years down the line. Why is California's utility costs among the highest in the country? And are there any hidden costs being added to your bill each month? Let's find out in today's episode. I'm Siamai Korami. Welcome. The California Insider. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. There is a phenomenon in California that utility rates have been going up and up. And California is among the highest in the utility rates. It's almost 30% higher than the national average for electricity. Yes. Part of that is because uh, especially the four big utility companies in, in California, the investor-owned utility companies, um, you know, they are constantly asking for more money for everything, everything they do, right? They're tacking that onto our utility rates. So when one of your viewers, for example, takes out their utility bill and they're being charged, let's just say, 20 cents per kilowatt hour, that rate is not just the cost of distribution and generation of electricity, for example, but it includes... Um, Which is their core business, right? Their core, right. core business is like they generate the electricity or they buy it from somewhere and then they, they distribute it. They transmit it, they distribute it to your house, you turn on the lights and you're using it, right? But what most people don't understand is that there are many other aspects of a utility company's work that are wrapped up in that rate. So, for example, if... Um, I receive a rebate from my utility company for installing an electric vehicle charging station in my home. The money for that rebate comes from all the other ratepayers. Can you explain to us like how much is that and how, how does it work? Yes. It? So it's a pretty significant chunk of, of what we pay. Um, I don't have like a, a perfect breakdown for you and the different utility companies, it breaks down differently for PG&E, say, than for San Diego Gas and Electric. Um, but I can tell you, for example, that some of the subsidies that we provide rooftop solar um, customers, customers who have rooftop solar on their homes, can be anywhere from 30 to $50 a month per customer, which is a lot. So you're saying that each uh, when we when we pay our utility bill, because certain people have solar on their roofs, we have nothing against the solar, but nothing but against it does, solar. But it does the way we subsidize it. The average person 
is paying 30 to $50 more to subsidize them. Yes. So those folks who don't have rooftop solar, so let's say I don't have rooftop solar, but you do, you receive um, the retail price on energy that you send back into the grid for other people to use, right? Because let's say you're producing so much energy that um, during the day, you can't use up all that energy. So that energy goes back into the grid and somebody else gets it. Well, you get paid the retail price for that, for that um, energy that you put into the grid. And let's just say it's about 30 cents for, per kilowatt hour that you get paid for that energy that you put into the grid. Well, if we were getting that energy from a solar field, right, where we have massive amounts of solar energy coming in through uh, either community solar or a solar grid and not from rooftop solar, we pay three cents per kilowatt hour. So there's a huge inequity, especially because not everybody can put solar panels on their homes, right? It's expensive. Um, renters can't always they get, the, yeah. they don't own the property. Um, or sometimes you have people, for example, my parents, their home is, is old, it's a, you know, it's a small home, their roof couldn't support it, the structure itself can't support it. And then there are people who live in the shade. I mean, wh why are we creating programs that are inequitable, where everybody has to pay into it, but only some people can benefit from it? You mentioned the EV. So, yeah. I, uh, so if I want to put a charging station at my home, mm -hmm. the utility company pays for it? How does it Not work? Not always, but sometimes there are programs where, for example, San Diego Gas and Electric had a very robust residential charging um, incentive program where they actually would install the infrastructure and the charging station in, in their in some of their customers' homes, and and gave them a you know gave them incentives to do this. Well, all of the rest of their customers subsidize that. Does that make sense? So if I put one in my house, if my neighbors don't have them, all the neighbors that don't have them, Help pay they have that. to pay more to pay for mine. Yes, and not just residential charging stations, but charging stations the the. Investor-owned utilities in California have come up with these schemes to install thousands of charging stations throughout the state. And again, at TURN, we support this. We support reaching our clean energy goals as soon as possible so that we can mitigate climate change. However, think about it this way. Let's say, I don't know, um, Edison installs uh, 100 charging stations throughout their service territory in Southern California. All their customers are paying for that, right? Like they, th those costs are socialized into the electricity rates. But even people who aren't customers of Edison get to use those. So there are plenty, for example, of LADWP customers who might find themselves in a place where there's a charging station that was paid for by Edison's customers. They benefit but they didn't pay into it. So there's a lack of equity um, in a lot of these programs that are helping us achieve building electrification, transportation electrification, um, our, our clean energy goals in general. So there is a hidden tax essentially based on what you're saying on the people that don't use these. these uh it's a hidden tax and it's a very regressive tax because think about it, your utility bills are it's 
potentially the most regressive tax you can have. And not only that, but for people who live in substandard housing or in rental units, those homes are largely inefficient, right? And so those folks, usually people who are more poor, struggling to make ends meet, concentrated in neighborhoods. They have older homes and they Older homes, need they're renters. Yeah. Those people end up paying a lot more to heat or cool their homes because they're simply not as well insulated. They don't have energy efficient appliances or can't afford them. They don't have access to things like rooftop solar, electric vehicles. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so and what happens is that those folks, the people who can least afford they're Higher paying for the bills. ones that can get they're the most. They're paying for those folks, but they're also paying more because they have to use more yeah. because their houses aren't energy efficient. And these people are usually, this is a fixed, people, a lot of people are fixed budget here. Yes. And this is something you cannot cut from. Right. You can't. I mean, in many ways, you know, we've created a system, we've created a physical landscape that requires heating, cooling, lighting. And so we can't get away from it in order and, and more and more, right? More and more people are working from home. You know, kids need electricity to be able to do their homework. You need energy to be able to keep your food fresh. I mean, hygiene, everything is affected by this. And so even though, let's say in comparison to your housing costs, it's a very small cost, right? But your housing becomes largely uninhabitable. If you don't pay for electricity. If you don't have electricity or gas. So essentially what you're saying, if you don't have an electric car, and but your neighbors uh, or, or maybe somebody else in another community has an electric car, you're paying for the person that has the electric car. You're paying for, um, so even if you don't have an electric car, right? Um, you're helping the utility company install chargers throughout the state that people with electric cars can use, whether or not they are utility customers of the investor-owned utilities, right? So let's say I am a customer of a municipal utility company and I drive into town and I get to you know, use a charging station that was paid for by Edison customers or San Diego customers, but I didn't have to pay for that, but I benefit, right? And similarly, if I don't have an electric vehicle, I'm also paying for that. Without using it. Without using it. So essentially, we, what the, the better way is to, to have the state do this. Yes. What you were saying is it, we might, it, we're kind of hiding this cost yes. inside this bill. We should as well, we might as well just say we have to build this and we pay for it as I'm a state. Tell me why the Department of Transportation isn't in charge of electrifying our transportation system. It makes sense. But the problem is that that requires taxes. And regular taxes, right, state taxes can be far less regressive, far less inequitable than utility rates. But most politicians, they don't want to raise your taxes, right? Because we so pay so much already, it. we're almost the highest. Right, but so, but so, but so <laughs> you go around it. They're finding another way to get. And you tack it onto ratepayers. You create ratepayer subsidies for all of these great services and gadgets that are getting us closer to greener energy, but that are costing people with the least amount of access, right? Electric vehicles are expensive. 
there's got to be a better way, a more equitable way. The cost has gone up yes. significantly. Can you tell us where it was like 10, five, five, 10 years ago and how this has been? Absolutely. Well, so part of what's happening is that, so for example, uh, PG&E uh, has sparked a significant number of wildfires and they've had to pay for some of that, right? They've also had to pay to um, come back into compliance. So a lot of the work that the utility should have done in order to prevent wildfires should have been taken care of a long time ago. And in fact, we already paid for it in many instances. But now that drought conditions and other conditions have made it so that they're sparking a lot more wildfires, we are having to pay again. And let me give you a great example. And this is a great opportunity for people to actually take action. Right now, there is a bill, Senate Bill 884, that's sitting on Governor Newsom's desk waiting for his signature. And we really want him to veto it. If this legislation goes through, if he signs it, California investor-owned utility customers will be on the hook for 70 to $100 billion that will be used for undergrounding. Okay, 70 to $100 billion? Yeah. So basically, by 2030, by the early 2030s, people will see their bills increase by $400 a year if this goes through. And that's on top of all the other rates cases that come up every year okay and from what we heard that they were not supposed to charge for these costs of they weren't supposed to charge the consumers for the cost of putting uh, fixing the fire issues because they they got in trouble they got fined for having the fires right and they were not supposed to do that to charge the cu customers right? but the tricky thing is that utilities depend their source of money is us is their customers so any work that they do has to be paid for by us. The question is really, what is the most cost-effective way to get there? And so there are many ways. Because we don't want the wildfires. We don't want wildfires, absolutely not, right? I mean, this is, I mean, environmentally, health-wise, just for all the reasons. I mean, not, e not to mention, right, that just the horror of having your house burn, your community burn down around you. Um, but the problem is that there are far more cost effective ways to do this, right? Vegetation management. PG&E has been non-compliant with respect to its infrastructure and maintaining its, its system so that they don't spark wildfires for many years. And now, we're seeing the, the effects of that, right? The campfire, people dying um, in these fires, communities burned to the paradise, burned to the ground. And that's just, you know, a very small, a fraction of the examples that I could give you. Um, so there's this new, you know, very sexy sounding undergrounding, right? Like, of course, why wouldn't we underground all this infrastructure so that it can't spark fires? but it's incredibly, incredibly expensive. And PG&E is, is not an amorphous, you know, it's not a, it's not like PG&E, PG&E pays for it, but they pay for it with our money. And so it's very easy, I think, especially for politicians to say, well, I'm not, we're, we're not increasing taxes, but instead 
we are going to subsidize all of these programs, whether it be um, electric vehicles or rooftop solar or wildfire mitigation by tacking these costs on to rate pay what ratepayers pay. And we think that's terribly unfair because guess what? At the end of the day, not everyone is a customer of PG&E, Edison, and San Diego Gas and Electric. There are many, many municipal, municipal elect, electric companies in California. And all of California benefits from this, but only a portion of California is paying for it. And they're paying for it in the most unfair, regressive way possible through utility rates. And it's not something that you can cut from, right? This is, this is not something you can, you have to have it. Now, there's also subsidies. So something that makes me wonder, because we have subsidies for rooftop solar, we have subsidies for electric cars. I wonder if this costs so much that we have to pay for it with tax subsidies, the government, and then we have to also pay for it through the utility bills. We're kind of, we might have not been told the whole story. There's a piece here, there's a piece there, there's yeah. a piece there. Well, I think what you're getting at is a really critical piece, which is that it would be much more fair and just if we paid for subsidies that help us achieve our green energy goals through the tax base, through the general tax base. And there are ways to do that. There are, okay, let me give you an example. Food stamps. Those of us who buy groceries, there's not like an extra tax on our groceries that goes into paying people who need food stamps, right? So we believe the same thing should be true of utility rates. If people need help affording their utility rates, everyone should pay into that pot of money. But instead, if you look at your bill, there's a public purpose charge on your bill. So all the other customers pay into a pot that then makes it more affordable for low-income customers to pay their bills. Why isn't the government doing that in the same way that they do it for food stamps? Or the free school lunch program? Or any other of these types of um, safety net programs? So it seems like the safety net is more on the, on the solar and electric people that are going in the renewable side. Well, there is definitely They're getting a paid safety for net this, for this time. Yes. It's kind of, they're subsidized. And it's a good thing. Remember earlier you said, we yeah. support solar. I mean, back when these subsidies first started, we were trying to hit a certain threshold. We were really trying to incentivize people to, you know, jump on the rooftop solar train, right? Like we want that, we want renewable energy, but we just don't want it to be paid for on the backs of poor people, right? At turn, we like to say the cost of greening the grid should never cut people off from the grid. But at the rate we're going, if you look at the trajectory that utility bills are taking right now, your average household in California isn't gonna be able to continue to afford their utility bill 20 years down the line. So we need to do something about that now. Do you have any other thoughts for our audience? Well, apart from having them call up Governor Newsom and asking him to veto SB 884, I would say um, any opportunity they have to share their stories with the California, California Public Utilities Commission is always a good thing. So the commission has um, business meetings monthly. They hold public participation hearings throughout the state on different issues regularly. 
and they do really, you know, they hear from the utility companies all the time. And they really do need to hear from utility customers. And now, because of the pandemic, they've implemented um, call-in and written public comment. And so when, when customers are struggling to pay their bills, they should absolutely let the commission know. Because apart from the state legislature and the governor's office, the commission has an inordinate amount of power to address this. And they do really need to hear from customers. Do you think people are not talking about it? Because they're usually p people that are working, trying to pay their bills. They don't have time to think who's in charge. And right. they just get the bill, and they have to deal with it, right? Yes. I mean, sadly, this is like the system we're in. If the, if the policymakers don't hear from communities that are struggling, uh, com communities who have feelings about the lack of equitable access to electric vehicles or rooftop solar or clean energy in general, then nothing will change. So we're really big on bringing the voices of community members to the decision makers. And sadly, you know, most people you say, hey, do you know who the CPUC is? Or do you know who, you know, decides on your electric rates? Most people don't know. So it's really important, I think, for people to take an interest to, um, and to speak out. And sadly, you know, I've, one of my roles at TURN has been bringing those community voices to the commission. And it's really hard. I mean, it's really, really hard to stand up in front of the commission, the commissioners, the administrative law judges. I mean, I have a PhD. I used to teach research methods to 300 students at a time. And it's really hard to get up and share it's your story. Right? It's totally intimidating. And so I know that it's hard for other people, but. And you have to also take all the time off. And the time if you're off, struggling yes. to pay your bills to go to, do you have to go yes. to Sacramento? Can you do it remote? Well now, like I said, you, a, a lot of times now you can actually, you, they have an online portal now where you can write up your comments and your concerns. But we know before the pandemic, we know one out of four utility customers in California was struggling to pay their bills. I, we don't have data yet on, because there was a moratorium for, su for such a long time during the pandemic. We don't know, now that the utility companies are starting to shut people off again, we don't know what the impact is gonna be. We know that there's still a lot of debt. Customers are carrying a lot of debt. I mean, they went into the pandemic. Customers went into the pandemic with 500 million dollars of utility debt. Wow. And at the height of the pandemic, that hit almost $2 billion of debt. And that's not including the municipal utilities. So TURN has worked really hard to get the governor to set aside some of the budget surplus money to pay off some of that debt. Um, but you know, we're, gonna we're really gonna start seeing in the next year or so, we're going to really start seeing the effects of the pandemic how many people are really struggling to keep the lights on? What about these leaders that are sitting on the commission? What do you recommend to them? It might be easier for them to actually go to the community to figure out what's going Absolutely. on. Absolutely, and they, they are actually in the affordability proceeding, they are planning some listening sessions throughout the state. Um, so, you know, I think they're, they're trying. They're trying to access those stories. They're trying to access, like, what, what's happening? What's really happening? Because right now we don't have a clear picture because of the moratorium on shutoffs. Um, 
And we've got a lot of new programs available to people. So there's this new arrearage management plan. Uh, this was implemented uh, in 2021. And it's a plan where customers who are carrying utility debt and are in the low income program, so either the CARE program or the FARA program, they can be put on this plan where um, if they stay current on their utility bill, one twelfth of their debt of their outstanding, like their pre their back bill, will be forgiven. And so, let's say that I owe Edison um, twelve hundred dollars, and I call up and I say, I just I can't afford twelve hundred dollars on top of my current bill. Right? Uh, they'll say, okay, we'll put you on this arrearage management plan. And so, let's say I get my next utility bill and it's $100, I paid the $100, $100 of my utility debt is also forgiven. And so now remember, every, you know, every month that I stay current on my bill, $112, one twelfth would get. So in a year, if you pay your bills, you can. Yeah. And that's great for someone who actually has a job and can afford their current bill. Maybe they fell behind. Maybe they had, you know, a health emergency in the family or, you know, a car, you, yeah, a lot you, of people you know, pay, we, live paycheck by paycheck. And exactly. then, you know, if you fall behind, if you one. fall behind, it's really hard to catch up. And so this is an opportunity and it can forgive the program forgives up to $8,000 of utility debt. And if you think that there aren't, there are so many people in California who are carrying thousands of dollars of utility debt. So this is a, this is a, a new program where just now it's only been, in effect for a little over a year and we are just now starting to get data to find out is it effective how can we support people to stay on the program because if you fall behind during that year then you lose that and you well you you get to keep what's already been forgiven but you end up having to pay the is the remainder. this program easy to access can they talk to the utility how do, how do yes, people access? you just call up the utility company and ask the um, customer service representative for an arrearage management plan well, Gabriela Sandoval with TERN, it was great to have you That's on California Insider. Thank you so much, Jomak.